Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Vibrarian Radio Show. My name is Miss J, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in this evening. I've been away for a few weeks, and I'm glad to be back on the air again. So I just want to invite you to our chat room that is available on our page, and also with our Facebook link, you can make comments, and we will definitely try to address them during the show. Most importantly, I would love for you to call in to speak with me this evening. Our show line is 646-668-8988. And uh, I would, again, love for you to call. If you would like to speak at any time, just press the one button, and I will make sure and get you on the air. We're looking to have our conversation this week. I'm really excited because the topic that we're going to discuss is the number nine. No, you did not step into an episode of Sesame Street or the Muppets or where they're telling you this show is brought to you by the number nine. <laughs> but we are going to talk about numerology and what the number nine means in terms of our lives right now. I thank you for joining me this evening. I do see we've got a couple callers on the line, so if you do want to chime in at any time, feel free. I also invite you to check out my YouTube channel. You can just search for The Vibrary. That's V I B. E-R-A-R-Y. And the E is because we add energy to elevate the vibration of humanity. Um, We've got our shows from previous episodes uploaded there, as well as other content that I'm sure you'll find uplifting and informative. So just surf on over and check us out, and you can look for our rebroadcast after tonight's show as well to be mirrored on the YouTube channel. So I'm going to just dive right in. Numerology, what is it? Now, you know, I am a woman of great reason, and I'm a thinking woman, and sometimes my friends look at me and give me the side eye because they think that I have some really unusual beliefs. Um, Sometimes I've been called eccentric, uh, sometimes kooky, (laughs) and I really don't care. I'm fine with that uh, because I know that I operate on my experiences and the knowledge that I've gained, and I'm very confident in doing that. So numerology is one of those areas that people tend to look at you and say, that is not science. What is this numbers mumbo jumbo? It sounds kind of crazy that you think that numbers are affecting the way that things are happening. That's just coincidence. These are things that I've actually heard from people and been told at different times. But tonight I'm hoping to challenge some of your assumptions and your beliefs and maybe give you an opportunity to take a second look at what numbers are and what numerology means. So according to Old Faithful Wikipedia, it says that numerology is any belief in the divine mystical relationship between a number and one or more coinciding events. It is also the study of the numerical value of letters in words, names, and ideas. 
It is often associated with the paranormal alongside astrology and similar divinatory. It also goes on in this information to talk about how Pythagoras and other early scholars uh, spoke about numbers. Even St. Augustine of Hippo is said to have written in AD 354. Numbers are the universal language offered by the deity to humans as confirmation of the truth. Now, I want to get into the philosophical, is this true numerology, is it not true? What I'm going to operate on is the basic belief that I hold, which is that it is true. And so I want to kind of outline my understanding of numerology, and I'm not by any means an expert. So if I share anything that you want to challenge, please feel free to do so because I'm always open to learning. So when we look at numbers, everything is mathematics. There is nothing in this universe that does not have a, a scientific resonance based on cellular division, uh, the science and math of creation. And the idea of numerology says that there is actually a, I don't know what the word would be, a subject reference that can be also assigned to each of the numbers. So if we look at zero, the basic foundations of our binary number system are zeros and ones. So if you look at zero as being everything possible before a moment of creation, and then one, that moment of creation itself or the emergence of a, a consciousness, then one is basically the beginning of taking something from nothing into something. And from there, we go up the cycle of our, our experience through each of the numbers. And just to go over them with you really quickly, we have two, which represents the energy of connecting then with the other, that outside of ourselves. Three then is the energy of manifestation or creation, putting work into something. Four then is building. And then five is changing. Six is nurturing that which we have uh, created, relationships and, and material things, it's our home, our family. Seven is when we reevaluate those things. Then at eight, we look to expand what we have already done so far. And then at nine, we reach a place of completion. Now, this is just one of the, uh, one of the, theories that is expressed about what each of the numbers mean. And when you get into things such as the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life, uh, certain Jewish teachings, uh, other Chinese numerology, lots of uh, uh, cultures have assigned certain energies and numbers, but they tend to all be very, very similar. So this is what we've called a nine year. Now, the basics of numerology say that you take the numbers of a thing, such as the day of your birth, the day and year of your birth, you calculate them all up into uh, their, their total and reduce it down to one of the primary numbers. So 
I'm not going to get into personal numerology because that's really a huge subject, but what I want to talk about is the global energy based on this particular year. So if we look at 2016 and apply the numerology distillation, then we come up with 2 plus 1 plus 6, which is 9. So in the esoteric circles, there is common understanding of numbers. And so when you start to talk to people who are psychics and healers and practitioners and various art divination, they already have an understanding of what numerical vibrations bring about. So in the last couple of years, especially leading up to 2016, several friends of mine, we would have conversations and we would say, well, you know, this is a nine-year coming up. It's going to be full of endings. I don't know what it's going to be ending, but let's see, you know, let's be prepared. And so we did research about that so that we could arm ourselves with knowledge. And many of the blogs that were out there were talking about the same thing, about we are reaching a phase collectively where there is going to be a period of major ending. Now, the thing that we know is that nothing is ever complete. And so every ending is going to bring a beginning behind it. So there was an optimism amongst us as we talked about what the nine would be, year would be, but there was also kind of a, a watchfulness. I don't want to say dread because um, you try not to approach things that are necessary at, with a feeling of dread or fear because that tends to make it more difficult for you to then navigate that energy. But if you know that something is coming, then you can be prepared. So when we look at this year, the evidence of this ending energy begins to reveal itself. If we look at the major, let's just start at the realm of celebrity because that's what we tend to be uh, most aware of through our TV connections and our social media connections. We all know that there have been major celebrity deaths this year that took people by surprise so much so that there was almost, there definitely was a collective and worldwide grief that came forward at the passing of people like David Bowie, Chris, to name just two, those were passings that took people by surprise. Now, of course, we know that death takes people by surprise every day, and that's the unfortunate fact about it. And I'm of the personal belief that there is no more value in the passing of a prince than there is, say, in the passing of uh, someone else who died suddenly, who has no celebrity fame, because... People are valued by those that know and love them, uh, irrespective of their celebrity status. So I tend to kind of look at the celebrity news that, I, that we receive as with a skeptic side because I just think that we're all valuable and celebrityism sets one uh, as more important than the other. But certainly the impact that Prince and David Bowie's lives had artistically they were like comets 
that went and blazed very unique paths across our reality over the decades of their lives. Both of them, I think, were in their, Prince was 52 and Bowie was 57, somewhere like that. They were changed. They were game changers in terms of what they did creatively. So that's one reason why the collective, I think, expressed a shock and a mourning at their passing. But if we look at what the energy of nine says, that there is a cycle that happens and that cycle must complete so that another cycle begins. So I'm not to say that Bowie and Prince still did not have huge bodies of artistic gifts to bless humanity with. But I think even Bowie himself, as he was finishing up in, in his illness, he, he basically articulated as much that um, his time was drawing to an end because of the illness that he had. And he dropped his last album, I think, maybe a week before he passed or the day that he actually wound up passing. So one has to wonder about the theory that nine years are soul exit years. Not only are they completion point for our life projects or our life phases, but maybe on a universal level, those are the times when a soul can say, you know what, we are going to depart and either rest or begin this cycle again, but our main soul mission and purpose has been achieved and we are ready to go. Now, I know some people might even be challenged by that idea, but I would like to continue to bring forward examples to you of what uh, the soul understands about nine that we as humans may not have necessarily grasped yet. I do see I have several callers on the line. If you would like to continue, please let me know and press the one key. I'd certainly love to have you on. Again, you're listening to the Vibrary Radio Show, and my name is Miss J. We're talking about numerology, the number nine, and the energy of ending. So I looked at my life this year and looked for evidence of the nine energy. And I could very easily find examples. Nine energy brings major endings. That means career changes, job changes, sometimes complete career changes, major moves from location to another location, significantly different. It can mean marriage if you've been in a period of singlehood. It can mean uh, divorce as well, an ending of a relationship. It can bring uh, graduations. Uh, it can bring the passing of loved ones who might have been dealing with uh, illnesses. Or, unfortunately, it can also sometimes bring unexpected death in terms of our awareness of stuff and, and anticipating it. You know, sometimes we get to a place where we know that people who might be dealing with a terminal illness are nearing their end. And other times it is something that completely blindsides us and we are not expecting it at all. So in my life, 
I wound up leaving my corporate job in November last year in order to change my life radically. Now, I did this purposefully. Insanely, some people said, but I did it with definite purpose and planning. It took a few more months for me to kind of crystallize. I I spent some time doing my same profession in a contract capacity for another employer, but that was winding up in the early part of the year, like the first quarter in March. And so I took a radical step, and when my lease ended in my apartment, I came to Mexico from Atlanta to explore what it looked like to be here and to live here for a temporary period of time. So major career change, check. Major move, check. (laughs) Reality ending, uh, my whole perspective and framework was shifted by my moving here, check. So I'm aligning with the energy of nine. And I have been doing so purposefully But there was an opportunity at my career choice that there was a lot of fear leading up to the time that I was leaving because there was a merger happening and many people were afraid that they were going to lose their job. And in fact, some people did lose their jobs and were laid off. That would be the kind of departure that were ending that is externally driven that you may not have control over. However, it can still be useful, but I'm sure it is a lot more painful to be unwillingly departed of your employment, unlike my situation where I willingly moved out of that energy and situation. I didn't really think of it in terms of aligning with nine energy at the time, but I did honor an urge inside of me that I wanted to do something very, very different. And with careful thought and, 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 and investment and guidance, I was able to radically shift stuff and move with the, with the flow. But I also know that we are still in the energy of nine because we still have a few more months this year. So I am not expecting that my life today looks like what my life is going to look like. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm almost a little leery to set anything in stone other than the intentions of the energy that I want to manifest in my life going forward, but I'm trying not to hold too tightly to some idea of what that is going to look like because I'd rather move with the energy of change than to be moved by the energy of change unwillingly. So... I'm going to bring our caller on the line, 7127. I have Kim. Are you on with me? Maybe not. Well, we'll come back to Kim in a few minutes. I am now. <laughs> oh, here you are. Yes, Kim, I would love if you would share. I know Kim personally. She's one of my friends. And so I know a little bit about her nine energy story. But, Kim, would you share with our audience about your nine. Um, well, let's go back to the person with a medical condition. You know, my grandmother 
was battling cancer for a few years, and towards the end of last year, something just started telling me, you know what, next year's going to be it. That's going to be it. It's a nine-year. She's going to be done with this. And um, she was doing really well at the beginning of the year, and then things kind of started to shift, and I had been trying to prepare myself all the all the time, just saying, you know what, I already know what the energy of the year is going to be like. It's the end of things and beginnings of new transitions and, and new energy, and it would make sense for her to transition into her next level of existence in this year. Um, she was also 77 years old at the time, which I thought was very interesting. Um, her birthday was uh, March 21st, so three and three, you know, <laughs> just all the, like all these things just added up. So in July, she decided that, okay, you know what, I'm good, and she decided to make her transition, and when she did it, she did it in less than three days. Once it came down, she got on with it, and once we put her in hospice, it was very quick. So, you know, it's a little I remember, bad. Mm-hmm. I remember at the end of the year last year, you and I had many conversations, and you were really kind of pre-grieving, I think, uh, because I remember many emotional conversations, and you were not being fearful, like, oh, my God, I think my granny's going to You know, it was kind of like a quiet acceptance that you were coming to terms with that if there would ever be a year, that that would be the energy that when she, that would mark her passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it made sense for it to be this time and, frame. And, and you also uh, experienced. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm saying it's also her sister. I think is also going to be transitioning by the end of the year. It was a, uh, you know, kind of we knew as a family that when one went, the other would not be soon to follow because they were best friends, and. Uh, that sister is now kind of starting to follow the same path. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where people are just deciding, you know, this is time to, I'm tired and it's just time to let this be, it's time to rest. And it makes, you know, it, 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 it was a peaceful transition. It was a hard transition, and I don't know how much you try to prepare yourself. Like you said, I was trying to kind of get myself in that set. Okay, I already know what's going to happen, so when it happens, I'll be ready. But nothing, unfortunately, makes you ready, despite <laughs> how right. ready you try to be. <laughs> but you also spent time with her to a level of you put real time and attention into your relationship with her, and you structured your life and went the extra way to be in her life during those last uh, period of time, once you started sensing that, you made the most out of what, you, you know, the relationship that you had 
so that you would not have as many regrets. Of course, there's always regret of loss, but you you would not be faced with the decision of saying, oh, I should have, I should have been there more, I should have done this, that, and the other. You really did what to your maximum capacity you could do time-wise in order to be present. Yeah. Yeah, I purposely changed my job. <laughs> well, as I was saying, you changed job. job. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, a job that I had left that job previously, but, you know, so I kind of reversed back into an older incarnation, if you will, just so I would have more time on my hands for her and, you know, just to be more readily available, you know, to get in the time that I could. You know, we, we, of course, did not expect her transition when it happened. It snuck up on us. But I'm glad that I made, I, I that I had some idea because there were some other family members that were probably, you know, I would say we're still in denial. Oh, no, we're not going to have to worry about this for a while. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So I'm I'm very glad that to have had some kind of, Recognition, if you will. Mm-hmm. To, and it also within. changed the residences in in 2016 as well. So you kind of had the trifecta as well. Job mm-hmm. change, residential change, completely out of the same geographic area of Atlanta that you were living in, changing your commute patterns and your whole focus shifted in a big way during this year. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very much so. I, mean, I don't. I don't think that's coincidence. Um, I have a caller ending in one eight six five to bring on the line with us this evening. Uh, hello, is this Hanifa? Yes. <laughs> Yay! Hello. Thank you for calling, Hanifa. I really so appreciate my friends calling in this evening to always talk with me. This is stuff we talk about anyway, but it's so nice to be able to kind of do it uh, with our listening audience because these just are not random coincidences. And I'm really excited that you guys are willing to share with us your personal stories that give example of what nine energy can do. So uh, I've still got Kim. You're going to be live still on the line. And now, Hanifa, I've got you on as well. So I just Hi, be Kim. mean? Hello. So, Hanifa. How are you? Good. <laughs> so, Hanifa, you need to find out what you're doing. What'd you so, say? Hanifa, what is your nine story for the year? Oh, gosh. So, uh, long story short, I was laid off from my job um, September, so nine. Actually, it was September 23rd. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of anticipated, but, of course, like Kim was saying about her grandmother, even as much as you anticipate something happening, when it happens, it's like, no, not me. <laughs> but, right. um, <laughs> um, yeah, so 
I think we were talking just, what, yesterday when I was telling you I was looking back. So I literally have been working since I was 14. This is my first time not having a job. So that kind of, um, yeah, that kind of hit home a little hard for me. Um, but it's funny when you were talking about the ninth, I hadn't thought about it before. Uh, I don't even know what your show is going to be about until you called me yesterday. And, um, I was looking over my resume. Okay. I'm going off topic, but I was looking at my resume and I was looking at, you know, my job previous to this one. So I left my, for everyone listening, I left my job before the one I just got laid off from 15 years, worked there for the state of Georgia. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to change. I want to kind of venture out, try something different. And, um, yeah, so I did that. Left a nice, comfy position. Mm-hmm. Um so I left there uh, March of 2015, last year, and started, uh, you know, at the new position I just was laid off from. So I'm looking at my resume this week since I've had plenty of time to <laughs> uh, reflect on my life. And I'm like, every job, so from my professional, um, my professional, jo- you know, career, all of the jobs ended in the ninth month. And when I say ended, uh-huh. so I started, you know, me and you worked together in the library. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. job ended in September of 2008. And I'm uh-huh. like, what is the odds? Again, I knew nothing about what your show was going to be about. I just felt that it was uh-huh. super weird and eerie that, how did all my jobs that I've had end? And it wasn't that they ended bad. It was just new beginnings. Like the ninth of whatever year it was, the ninth month, I started either a new position or I left for old jobs. Yeah. Right. That was kind of weird. Right. So, we were talking about that yeah. cycle that emerged. Once you started to look back, it was like, wait a second, wow, (laughs) you know, it's not just this year. And that's true for all of us if we look at the the repetitive pattern. We all start Mm -hmm. fresh with something. We all put energy into it. We all reach a place of success and stability where we know what we're doing. We got the hang of the job. We got the knack of our routine. We kind of come to a place of stability. Then maybe we kind of hit a few bumps, and then we readjust, and then kind of go forward for a little bit. But you have to forgive me. There's fireworks going off here. I don't know what the holiday is, but it's quite noisy outside. I had to make sure it wasn't gunshots or something. <laughs> but uh, we all then reach a place, and what sometimes the nine can look like is a dissatisfaction, right? So when you were looking to leave your job at the law department and when Kim was looking at leaving her other job, 
it was like you were good at what you were doing. You're well-respected. There was not anything overly unpleasant about the environment that you were in, but there was something mm-hmm. inside of you that said, there's got to be more to this than this. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but you kind of honored your inner urge to say, let me examine this further, and you know what, let me put my resume out there. Let me explore what it would look like to do what I do differently, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was the energy leading up to That's like sometimes we get the notification that it's time for a change, but we hold Mm -hmm. on too long. And Mm. that's when it can be kind of challenging or painful for us, or we can be in denial about something, um, you know, and then all of a sudden we have the death of of something we didn't even expect that we were going to have, like in the case of a layoff, you know. Uh, Sometimes we're forced out of our comfortable position because we have hung on too long. Um, Mm. You know, I've shared with you um, personally that I thought that it was great when you left the job at the law department because you had so much more to, to that you wanted to do, and you were kind of bored, and it had been a long time. And the likelihood of you staying the whole 30-something years needed to, even though you were like 15 <laughs> years in, I think, was probably not going to happen for you, and you're like, I just want to do something else. So you found the something else, and even though the something else was not exactly what you it wasn't like it was your dream job. You still were excited. No. I remember meeting you for lunch and everything, and you were like, oh, this is a different environment, different people around me, new energy. I'm feeling it revitalized. You're like, they're working the hell out of the system, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it wasn't like it was your ideal job energetically. So True. I found it ironic when the, even the the transitional job when you were laid off, you know, um, because it's like you had to pry your fingers off of the comfortable job and things that most of us are not going to just willingly walk away from employment without without having employment lined up. Otherwise, that ending of our marriage might be the death that we experience, especially if our spouses, (laughs) if we're a dual-income household, they're going to look at us like, what do you mean you just left your job, you know? But uh, a lot of times we look for stability as the the common thing. Well, let me. I'm only going to leave this if there is that in place. But sometimes then we take something that is not ideal, something that'll just do. That'll do. That'll do. And especially if there's a monetary equality or even a monetary increase, but that thing may not actually be where we're supposed to eventually land. So yeah. it's like all this year is the energy of nine. So now you're dealing with, okay, I'm unemployed. I would really like to end my, I would like to have an end to my unemployment. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm completely <laughs> fine with that. there being a death in my world of unemployment. I would like a new birth as a new job, right? <laughs> yeah. That's one of those endings that you're like, you know what, uh, I'm sure there are people who are single 
who are like, I am so thankful my period of singlehood is ending because I really have been growing and wanting to be in a more committed relationship. And there are some people who are like, I'm so glad this catastrophe of a relationship is finally ending because mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to get out of it because it's been nothing but a building cycle over the last few years of stress and negativity. So the nine energy looks, you know, quite different for everybody, but knowing that, um, you know, um, knowing that the energy is here and that you're not blindsided means that you can navigate it a little easier. It, you know, that's, that's my belief about it. It's like if you know the storm is coming, then you just can brace yourself to roll with the waves <laughs> instead of being blindsided and tossed overboard because you're trying to fight it. Yeah. So I, um, this is the Vibrarian radio show, and you're on the line with Miss Jay, and tonight I'm joined by my friends Anissa and Kim who have been sharing their stories about the nine energy. If you would like to join in, our number is 646 8988 and press 1 if you want to join the conversation. So in terms of nines and endings, we also just came through the period of the Scorpio new moon at the end of October. Now, All Hallows Eve, October 31st, uh, Dia de la Muertes in Mexico, uh, we all know that this is a time when there is so much spooky and and Halloween horror in the United States, and in Mexico they're honoring the passing of the ancestors, um, and it's a festival celebration of of life and death because there's an acknowledgement that all things are in cycles. None of us live in our present incarnation forever. So the sign of Scorpio is also the sign of death and rebirth. Uh, We all know that Scorpios uh, will sting and basically kill anything kind of very quickly. (laughs) The, The whole Scorpio energy is one of not being afraid of death. And so this period of the new moon was a huge energy of also death and then the rebirth that follows it. So it's interesting that we have, leading up to, of course, the election in the United States, this kind of trifecta of the nine energy of endings, major endings and deaths of things. We have the Scorpio new moon, uh, which is on Halloween, uh, which is huge energies of death and rebirth. And now we've experienced in the United States the election, which let's face it, for a lot of people was uh, uh, are grieving it like a death. Um, and I'm not taking away for those people who are happy that their uh, candidate was elected into office, but for a significant portion of the population, there is a surprise because there is the death of an idea about who the country was or at least how the election was even going to go, you know, because the media was saying that it was going to go one way and then it wound up going another. So 
on Wednesday, the 9th of November, <laughs> another nine, a lot of people woke up and said, what the heck happened? Something in me just died. I don't know how many times I saw that on Facebook. Something in me just died, you know? And so there has been an outpouring of emotion for people expressing, like, shock and grief and things like that. And I think that that also leads into the very energy that we're talking about. And the fact is that death is not an ending. It is a beginning as soon as that death occurs. So it's it's very interesting that we now have an opportunity that we turned a corner in our political life in the United States, and because of the United States' position globally, I'm sure internationally, it is a new day, or certainly the birthing uh, pangs of a new day that will become fully manifested then in February after we pass into the new year, into the 2017 energy, um, so I, I just think that it, it was shocking on the one hand, and I guess it shouldn't have been because either way, whichever candidate would have won, if Hillary Clinton would have won, then we would have had an end to the male monopoly on the president of the United States. And, uh, you know, the opposite was the result, and that was certainly an end to some people's ideas about um, – what a president is. So either way you looked at it, it's a 50-50 roll of the dice, it was going to be an end of something. And now we're here at the beginning, but we know that the nine energy is still with us for at least a couple more months, uh, probably at least a good 30, 45 days, the shadow will go into 2017. So what is your rest of your year going to look like? I don't think any of us know, like Hanifa, you don't know when you're going to get a job. I know you're hopeful that one will come in. I don't know where I'm going to be necessarily living when my time is here at the end of Mexico. Hopefully it will mm-hmm. be somewhere that resonates with my intention. You know, Kim, you don't know what your state of your family is going to be now that your grandmother, the center of it, has, has passed away. So how do we find a place of being okay with the change before we realize where the change went? Now, I do have two callers on the line. I'm going to check in with you to see if you have something to add. Hello, caller. I have you on the air. Who am I speaking with? Hello. Hi. Hi. Who is this? Well, maybe Wait. we haven't Hello? been able to. Hi, can you hear us? Yeah. Is, is it... I'm having some technical difficulties getting caller on the line here. Let me try caller number 4694. Hello, who do I have on the line? Hello, this is Greg from Pennsylvania. Hi, Greg. Thank you for joining us this evening. Have you experienced some nine energy this year? Uh, I know a lot of people in my family have been sick. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think we're coming out of that, though. And uh, 
just a lot of transitions. I think uh, starting in 2015, I went through a lot of uh, changes, like major spiritual highs and major lows. Mm-hmm. And it seems like I'm finally coming out of that. So you're having an end to the turbulence that you've been yeah. experiencing, and you're starting to see a new beginning emerge. Hopefully. I mean, it looks like that's what's been what's been going on. I know uh, I went through a, a, a pretty big spiritual rut there for a while, and uh, mm-hmm. it looks like I'm finally gaining ground. That's awesome. You know, it is very challenging to deal with um, unknown. A lot of us feel very uncertain, and that's the unknowing. Nobody wants to stumble blindly into something and hit their, stub their toe or worse, right? So a lot of us are not comfortable with a changing kind of unstable environment. But I think part of the challenge is to then say, you know what, all will be well even if I don't know what the well is going to look like, (laughs) you know. Uh, Sometimes we get tied into having to have an actual manifestation of our vision, and when that vision is not manifesting, then we get uncomfortable. And depending on your personality type, some folks are like, what do you mean not have a vision about where I'm going? What do you, you know, there's that kind of particular person who that is very, very uncomfortable for, for them to say, you know what, I don't know what next year looks like, but I'm just going to untether myself and ride off into the sunset. You know, some people would be completely disabled with that idea happening, you know. But I think then- all of us are learning that we cannot be that attached to our visions of stuff. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, it's been more along the lines of over the past, you know, even 10 years, getting those little breakthroughs, the pictures of where you're going, and know exactly mm-hmm. what you need to do and what you're called to do. But at the same time, like, uh, I have to deal with the fact that I'm pretty much, uh, I'm trying to get out of it, uh, being overly empathic and picking up on things. It's like when I'm praying and trying to generate energy for the calling that God has for me, I'll pick up Mm -hmm. on other people's needs and energies. And uh, Mm -hmm. so my thing has been, how do you maintain a consistent flow of energy to get to where you need to go without, uh, you know, picking up on all this other baggage that's in the atmosphere, you know? Right. And I think Kim Kim is a highly empathic person and can probably relate to that. And all of us with this election are, whether you're empathic or not, I don't think any of us are not impacted by the swirls of of various emotions that are running through our reality right now. And that can be very, very challenging, again, to, like you said, filter your own reality out of everything that you're receiving from those around you. And especially if you've got people who are undergoing deep tragedies and deep deep crisis and you're trying to find out how you can be a friend to them and be supportive to them and not then be sucked into the vortex 
of their change so much so that it becomes your change, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wasn't even involved with anybody, like, talking about election stuff. However, I was probably, I was completely worn out for, like, the last three days. Almost like mm-hmm. I couldn't get enough sleep. And all I would have is dreams about people fighting the whole, the whole time. Mm. It was like, I have to let go of this. <laughs> you know, so it was, but, you know, I finally caught it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just just before, I I believe God gave me uh, a meditation to use. And I put it on an MP3 to uh, cover myself with a humble uh, clothing, humble spirit. And mm-hmm. actually... After I was doing that, I felt a major shift in letting go of mm-hmm. all that energy rather than fighting against mm-hmm. it, you know. So. Well, you know, the, the egoic self, I think, is what we are experiencing right now. People are, are speaking out of that, and we see that in the division uh, because that is the area where division comes from is from the identity self rather than the collective self, which is heart and energy and unity that says all are one and all is love, uh, despite whatever you have R behind your name or a D behind your name or you have a different country of origin versus one country of origin. All those things are identity-driven. And a lot of what we're experiencing emotionally now is from people's crisis of identity. Uh, They say, well, that's not who we are. Or the people who are on the side of Trump say, well, we haven't been who we were, you know. So it's very much people investing in that egoic framework rather than operating from a spiritually unified framework. And that same kind of ego comes into play when we say, you know what, but I've always been a librarian. You know, that was my former profession. And what am I going to do if I'm not a librarian? It kind of became who I was rather than what I did, right? Or if you're unemployed, it can be very challenging because some people might start to question who they are and what their value is just because they're not getting a job. And in this job market, we know that that has been challenging and longer than what most people are comfortable with in terms of return to employment. So it's really hard to kind of separate the judging that you might feel subject to, people looking at you like, you don't have a job yet, honey? You know, I'm sure, sure, honey, it's been somewhat challenging for you because everybody's asking you, have you got a job? And then you, at some point you start to say, well, no, I haven't got a damn job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I got a vision, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Yes, I right. Often. <laughs> right. And it can be kind of hard to maintain then your, your sense of self in the face of the validation that occurs from what we do in the world as our, as our uh, way of working. Our vocation, if yeah. you will. Uh, oh, I know what you mean. It's like, uh, you know, being in a society that they don't take a divine word. You know, I mean, I've had, you know, so many visions and dreams of what I'm called to do. But, uh, you know, if I'm not working at the time, you know, I wouldn't even try to explain what I'm 
supposed to be doing with somebody who asks you, you know, if you have a job. You know, you don't even know what to do. So sometimes you just say, right. no, I'm not doing, I'm not doing nothing, absolutely nothing. So, you know, even though you're spending all that time and energy uh, praying and researching for the opportunity that the spirit has for you, it's like, how do you handle that? Because you can't explain it to people because they'll just crap all over it. So that's a problem. <laughs> Well, I know my parents were like, you're doing what? <laughs> and you're going where? Okay. Yeah. When I told them, you know, that I was leaving, and not only that was I leaving my job, but I was also going to be going to another country for a while. But over the time, you know, they're like, you know, they say, well, people ask us, what's Joelle doing? You know, and they're like, we don't know. And she doesn't know either. She's fine with that, so so are we. And I'm thankful that I have that response from them because some people are not so lucky. You know, uh, they'll say, what are you going to do about money? What are you going to do about this? And all those things are kind of reasonable questions that we have because we have this idea of what it means to be a responsible, quote, unquote, air quote, responsible adult. But sometimes the most responsible thing that we can do is let something die. If that thing is actually killing us along with it, the responsible thing to do is to walk away from it and allow it, instead of continuing trying to rescue, to salvage it, that job that we hate, that we feel so terrible when we go into, but we keep trying to equivocate with ourselves and justify to ourselves why we keep returning it. Well, I don't have another job. I can't leave because so-and-so. But what happens when that stress winds up taking you out before you ever got that other job that you saw as your exit ring? You know? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I see that happen where people will have a health crisis, a stress crisis, or their life will get so out of balance because they're feeding that dead-end situation be it a relationship or a job, they keep feeding it and beyond the point of when it is helpful for them. And we all know what gangrene is, you know, it's when there's some dead flesh and the whole goal is to try to get it off you before it takes your toe, before it takes your foot, before it takes your leg, or wherever it has gotten infested. And sometimes the removal of that deadness is painful and traumatic. But we have to know that our life, in the case of a person who might have to have an amputation, our life overall is more valuable and our quality of life then increases once we get rid of that deadness. Um, I do have, I believe I am able to pull Beeman on the line. Is this Beeman? I hope so. Oh, yeah, Demon. I know we've been trying to get you on the line here down in Mexico. Sometimes it's a little challenging. You have a nine story as well. Uh, I do, I do. Um, Where do I begin? Um, Back in March, I guess I could say that uh, my lower conscious or the Beeman, as uh, most of my friends and family who knew me uh, 
well, actually from March up until this point, has been slowly uh, dying as far as uh, uh, the old Beeman. Um, if anybody who knew me before this period, I had, a, I guess, a spiritual awakening, a very, very strong one that changed my life forever, changed my view on death, uh, religion, spirituality. I was never a very spiritual person. Uh, things like this I never believed in. Uh, higher selves, uh, false realities, uh, that all kind of kind of came to a crash uh, one evening in March. And ever since then, I've been having some very strong, uh, uh, I guess, uh, epiphanies and visions. Uh, and slow, I guess, last in the past couple of days, even more part of me has kind of went away as I kind of feel myself transitioning into this higher, higher self, my normal state being beaming, uh, previous to March, uh, who identified with beaming baby being 42 years old, having two kids and married, uh, is kind of used to be my, my, I guess my, uh, my normal state. And I feel myself transitioning into this higher self, higher being, kind of, kind of being my normal state now. If that makes sense. You and I have both have shared about this, and I liken it to Neo in The Matrix, which is still one of my favorite movies. When he uh, realized, you know, like all of a sudden his reality started shifting. And he was out on a ledge, and they were telling him to jump, and he couldn't do it. So he went back in his office thinking that what he had just escaped was something that was insane. And then he's sitting at the table with the guy who all of a sudden melts his mouth shut. And his reality is like, I didn't even know you could melt a mouth shut. And here I am sitting in my supposed (laughs) normal workplace, and I just experienced something completely different. And then he went on to then take the red pill or the blue pill to follow the instinct. And when he woke up, there was no going back into the bubble once the truth was revealed to him. And when something is dead, there is no way to reattach it or resurrect it. And if you do, you will probably find out that it's not the most helpful situation for you to try to do. You know, even the caterpillar emerges as a butterfly. It cannot go back into the cocoon, and a snake cannot go back into the skin that it sheds, you know, uh, as it is rebirthed with the new, new body that it is to have. Hermit crabs can't go back into the old shell. All of that seems to be... The, the overarching lesson of what these deaths can bring. And it can be very painful and challenging because I know I've seen some of the posts that were on your wall before you left Facebook, Beeman, where people were like, where did this new dude come from? You know, wow, <laughs> you're, you're kind of talking different. You know, I don't know. People were kind of giving you the side eye like, what is going on? And I know that has to be challenging because 
when you disrupt things like your job, when you disrupt things like your relationships, um, it can be more painful for those around us than it is for us when we go through the death that we have, depending on their level of investment in our own and their level of connectedness to our reality. You know, I'm sure, Hanifa, when you got laid off, it was just as uh, much a part of your husband Mike's experience as it is yours because you all are partners. So uh, it was not something that happened in a vacuum. Uh, You know, Kim's grandmother passing affected her whole family. Uh, You know, Greg, I'm sure it's Greg, right? Um, I'm sure his family has been affected by his spiritual awakening just as Beeman's has, you know. But you can't go back into those things just to not disturb the status quo because it's an illusion that there is such thing as constancy anyway. I don't know if I'd even want to go back. <laughs> I know, Hanifa, you wouldn't want to go back to your job at the law department, even though you don't have one right now. Like, uh, I know Kim doesn't want to go back into her work environment. I don't want to go back into my work environment, you know, uh, that's not to say we're happy with where we are during this year of transition, but we know we're not trying to go back if, as if it were even possible. There's really, at some point, there's nothing to do but to just go forward, you know. I think I read a story. Go ahead. No, I was saying, I think at some point you just decide to quit fighting with the what's going on, because even just in my own personal life, you know that there are some extraneous circumstances that I've had to just come to terms with, that I've had like an inner fight and inner struggle. You know how it is. You're, one part of you knows it's the case, but part of you is like, no, if I just hold on a little longer. <laughs> and then finally you just say, you know what, this is not how I want to do things. This is not how I want things to be. And you decide, okay, either I'm going to make the best of the situation and roll with it, or you're going to continue. Otherwise, we make ourselves hurt. I think that when we try to resist the change that's, that's you know, it's like divorce. Resistance is futile. <laughs> you just got to go with it and roll. Because otherwise, you're just creating more, more problems for yourself. If you assimilate the good, not assimilating the negative, you know, it, it, it makes things a lot easier when you try, when you realize that no matter what the changes are that you're being, you know, presented with, there is some growth behind it. There is some purpose behind it. It's not just for, you know, to torture you for, you know, for whatever time frame. There, there is some purpose behind it, although you may not see what it is at that particular point in time. What? And, you know, some people hold a belief system that would have them think that these deaths, these endings, are punishing events in them. And they might examine themselves to say, oh, my gosh, what did I do to deserve this? I didn't tithe enough last year, or I wasn't this enough the year before that, or I should have done more and they can start to be kind of judging and harsh on themselves when really 
into everyone's life, some rain must fall. I think that's how the quote goes. We all experience ourselves in our actual physical body shed themselves. I think I read somewhere that the whole body system is completely new cellular material every seven years. So, I mean, there is, it's an illusion that there is no change and that our lives should remain the same and that we are not going to have hardships and challenges and things that really make us grieve from a very, very deep place. Nobody wants to have to grieve and to lose a loved one at all. Um, but it's part of the human experience that by living, there is dying. By loving, there can be losing. So we kind of signed on for this as souls, uh, you know, to experience some love and some pain along with it. Uh, and like you said, I think your mindset about it can make some things way more painful than what they necessarily need to be. And I think that part of our opportunity is to evolve our mentalities in order to, um, like you said, go with the flow instead of against the flow and to accept that this is just what happens, and around every ending is that new beginning coming, you know? Um, I'm sure, Hanifa, you are like, okay, I need the new job to begin sooner rather than later. But what if a new job is not actually around the corner? What if your life looks different to where having an employer is not part of that vision, Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And in five years, you look back and say, wow, I can't believe I ever wanted another job. I've been self-employed for the last few years, and I survived. And I never would have thought that I would have survived without a traditional job as being my means of survival. I don't think Mm -hmm. you would actually have a problem with that, you know? No. And part of what we have to do is look at our energy around the new beginning, right? Instead of saying, well, if this thing ended, then that thing has to grow in its place, and it has to look like X, Y, Z. And then when the seed comes up through the ground and we realize it's not what we wanted, sometimes we pull it out or we chop it up or we, you know, we don't water it because we're like, no. That was not the new vision. And sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, uh, but sometimes we are trampling on the new energy that is trying to emerge from us because of how narrow we are um, in the way that we view who we are and what we do. Does that make sense? Yep. So the challenge is to stay, like, what I have learned to do in my manifestation is to hold the energy that I want without holding a specific vision. So um, I can say, you know what, I want to use my information skills for good. 
I want to, uh, I'm always going to be providing people information. I just know that's where I have a gift, right? So when I say, okay, universe, bring me opportunities to do that which I am passionate about. And if I looked at those opportunities that came to me and they were not job opportunities at law firms, which is what I used to do, then I might be quick to discount those things that have an opportunity to emerge into newness for me. Um, So releasing my expectation of what it looks like for me to be an information person allows the energy of the vibrarian to emerge, to say, um, okay, here's a way for you to provide information to people. You're going to do it on an online radio show and through a YouTube channel and all kind of activities. And I say, well, thank you. This is fun, universe. I appreciate the opportunity to manifest the energy of newness that I desire. And I, of course, am then pulling the little weeds of job offers from law firms to go back into the energy of what I used to do. When those come, I used to feel kind of guilty about, like, saying no. But, um, you know, I don't have a problem weeding those things out now because I know for myself that I am not – wanting to water those seeds. I've made a conscious decision to do that. But I've had time and opportunity to kind of evaluate that for myself. And that's not to say that I will not return to that in some kind of capacity in the future. I don't think that I would, but I've learned to do the never say never thing to say you just don't know what could be thrown your way but just know how to evaluate and examine those things that are thrown your way so that you can maximize um, receiving those things. You know, it's like recognizing, being open to recognize that at any, every possible moment we're receiving opportunities for newness. It might look like a person we run into at the grocery store that we have an opportunity to have a new conversation with. It might look like a trip that we took that we never considered taking before, going to somewhere we've never been before. Those are all newness, and the energy that those things bring into us automatically shifts what, who, what and who we are. And that's the beautiful part. So it really takes it from you don't have to know everything. You just have to know the energy that you wish to have, even if you don't know what the details are going to look like. Anyone agree? (laughs) I mean, like envisioning energy. Are are any of you practicing Envisionment as a manifestation tool? I think I'm kind of in the early stages of doing that. I know that you and your wife have this Inspirations Fitness Retreat that you've been doing. And you were, you and I have talked about how you were like, I want to do something more different. You just couldn't articulate necessarily what what you are going to be doing, but you know you have a seed of something in you emerging. 
Yes. And things are going to come into your awareness, either from your higher self or from the way that the universe speaks to us through random conversations, coincidences, synchronicities, and other people's examples, then we are able to look around and say, you know what, thank you for putting me in a position to see this, to hear this, to be a part of this, because now I know exactly what my soup is going to look like. You know what I mean? We all have our own pots cooking. And we, I think that we're a a work in progress, and we know the best soups and gumbos take a long time for the flavors to all come together. So while we're putting individual flavors in, then the pot is simmering, and then in the fullness of divine timing, then the right thing is going to come out, and you're going to be like, this is the most delicious life I ever could have imagined. I don't even know what I put in that pot, but damn it, it's good. <laughs> That's the thing that I love about it because uh, it feels uncertain. Sometimes we want to watch the pot. We want to crack it open and see, is it cooking right? We come in behind the cook in the kitchen. We want to know, what did you put in this? I don't know about that. (laughs) But it's just like, you know what, just let it simmer. Just let it simmer and trust that something new is going to be created out of the pieces and parts that have been coming together. And it's like that nine-year cycle, we have nine years of collecting experiences in our job and getting good at something and learning people and coming to a place of stability. And then when that death occurs and something new emerges, we haven't lost all of those things. They're still in our pot and have come together to create something completely new. What's that, like the uh, leftover Everybody goes and cleans out the refrigerator and makes a meal out of the leftovers. Well, nothing is leftover. It's all ingredients that are necessary for our next being, our next self, our next new venture. That's what I find exciting about it. This is the Vibrarian Radio Show, and we are on the Vibrarian Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Miss J. I'm your host this evening. I've been joined by Ken Beeman, Greg Hanifa, and I am so glad that you all were willing to are willing to share your personal story and. I want to know what energy you each are holding for the new that is coming, the new birth that is coming into your life. Uh, I mean, starting with uh, Demon, how are you approaching the transition from death to life, the newness? Uh, I'm just kind of just going with the flow. Um, this is, you know, this is all still very new to me, and I just try to uh, kind of let the uh, the events kind of play themselves out. Uh, but I try to um, approach each moment now with just positivity and love and understanding. Okay. So you're just holding the energy within yourself of 
Openness, positivity. When I say uh, approach each day, I mean I'm just kind of practicing to kind of let that out on and on on anybody I meet, on everything that I do. Um, I I just recently kind of uh, figured out what setting your intentions are, and so uh, today was actually my first day where I said I'm gonna um, uh, uh, show love and experience love on a more and a higher awareness level. So anybody I meet and I see and try not to be so judgmental and just kind of project uh, love and happiness and positivity. And you know what? That is the same thing I have seen in countless posts on Facebook, Instagram, and social media and from my friends once they kind of express their initial feeling, everyone has made a renewed commitment to be loving, to be loving towards people regardless of who they are and what they, they are, you know, professing on any level. So I think that is, it's, it's an awesome collective energy because love is amplified. Right, so it cannot help but be repeated down the, down the line, because just like cruelty is repeated down the line, somebody who is cruel will be cruel to someone else. Somebody who is loving and experiences a kind word, or a, you know, a, a, even a kind glance, a, a glance of, of "I see you, I honor you," a namaste kind of glance at the grocery store. Um, that changes. That's the whole pay it forward model. It's so easy for love to keep going. And I think it's mm-hmm. awesome because individually we are coming to the same conclusions that then resonate out into the collective, you know. Uh, yes. They said love is all there is, and if you know that love is at the core of everything, then those deaths, are easier to bear, you know. Um, is it Greg from Pennsylvania? Are you still with us? I don't think I have him anymore. Um, Hanisa, do you have a certain mindset of or idea of going forward as you are still in the midst of your transition? Um, well, kind of like Beeman said, just staying positive because you can find yourself well, for me personally, drifting into the negative spot, like, what in the hell am I going to do? Like, why is this happening? Um, so staying positive, um, going forth, and just knowing that what is meant to be or whatever happens, you know, there is a plan already set in place. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. Not by me, but of course by higher power. And so, whatever that plan is, that I will just accept it. And hey, I can't complain, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, Anita, if you do feel, you know, we're human beings. And yeah. Grief and dissatisfaction, um, uh, disillusionment. Um, weariness, all those things are normal for us. We're not supposed 
to just uh, be like, oh, I'm chipper all the time. Yeah, I don't have time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not mm-hmm. real. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not uh, fair to say that there's uncertainty or insecurity in feeling mm-hmm. like I don't even know what my future looks like. And so those are things that it's okay in my belief system to express. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, but of course, if your preponderance of energy begins to sink into a place where you're like, you know what, I'm really feeling down a lot. You know, you can call any of us, and we will give you that pep talk, and you know, <laughs> uh, take you out for dinner or whatever, and send your resume to people we know or whatever needs to happen to be the most supportive for you. And sometimes yeah. it's just being able to admit, you know what, I'm scared. You know what, I'm in pain. Or you know what, I'm sad because so is so past. Those things, sometimes it's just being able to verbalize and have them validated by people mm-hmm. helps lessen their impact on us anyway. You know, that's yeah. part of the whole up and down experiences we are supposed to experience challenge and we're supposed to experience satisfaction you know just the same it's all part of the experience of moving through these numerical cycles of from start to finish yeah do you have any energy of uh, intention that you've put forward well uh, i won't necessarily say that i've per well (laughs) i'm working on that part (laughs) <laughs> but one thing I did not think about, which had never clicked to me before until we started this discussion, it just like kind of dawned on me a few minutes ago. The job that I went back to, I originally left in 2007. So that means I was gone for a nine-year hiatus before I went back. <laughs> so that in itself is kind of funny. I didn't even realize it until like just a little bit ago. So, um, you know, in a way it's like a, a, a brand new start, new birth at that place, which is ironic in itself since, of course, I'm helping birth babies. So, mm-hmm. yay. Uh, um, that as far as for my own personal, you know, transitions, basically my biggest thing that I'm just trying to make sure that I'm doing is just letting go and, and just – you know, things that don't serve a purpose anymore, things, energies that are not serving my energy, at least not putting me in the place that I want to be, people that are detracting, excuse me, there's something in my mouth, detracting from rather than adding value, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to separate myself. I'm trying to, to, to not let negative energies kind of tag on and hang on, if you will. I'm trying to make sure I'm staying grounded as much as possible, Um, especially, you know, just like you said, being empathic. That's actually one thing I figured out is super important, at least for me, is maintaining some degree of grounding because it's very easy to get swept into other people's feelings, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. So... Uh, working on that and, and just trying to be accepting and open 
because, again, you know, like I said, I figured out, you know, transitions go so much easier when you're kind of willing to to ride the currents a little bit. You know, you can steer. You can try to try to swim with it so you can guide your direction. But sometimes it's, you know, life is going to put us in, in areas that we don't know how the waters are. We don't know how deep it is. We don't know if we'll be able to tread or if we're going to sink. You just have to have faith and and know the mm-hmm. universe has your back, you know. So well, I think that you hit on a good point about letting go of people and things that no longer resonate with you. I was thinking about the term dead weight, you know, and I know it talks uh, about pruning the dead branches off the vine so that the life can come. And sometimes that's where we have the hardest challenge is that we have emotional connections that we have made with people. And when those connections no longer serve our growth and newness, it really puts us in conflict to have to let that thing that was once so vital to become like dead weight. That's just very, it can be the hardest thing to let go of. I know there have been times in my life when I had friendships that I had to let go, sometimes purposely, sometimes I was the one that was let go of, you know, and I experienced that painfully. But um, in hindsight, you know, sometimes we, again, get into our comfort zone and we're around people who we realize, you know what, I just really don't like them anymore. <laughs> when did they turn into this such and such person? I never knew this about them. And a lot of times it's when did we shift away from that uh, and become who we are, not when did they turn into something different. Sometimes the same can be true. People experience life changes and become grinches or become, you know, energy that we don't resonate with. But I think that that is where we have to just really find our inner strength and peace to say, you know what, I release you. And I think it's how we do it, if at all possible, if that release can be lovingly, right? I released my job lovingly. I put in my two weeks' notice. I didn't quit on one day. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, everybody has that dream of telling them coming in and saying, "Kiss my ass, I'm out of here," right? But no, I, you know, I didn't do that. I released it lovingly and professionally in a way that I hope preserved my professional relationship with the people who I have been working for for so long, and then continued to move out my way. And sometimes there's those connections that we have to be a little more forceful with uh, because, I mean, like amputation is not ever pretty, but sometimes it's necessary. And that's the unfortunate, you know, part about it. And I think the lesson is that is if we're more mindful as we go along before something has time to fester and die, we can go ahead and prune it as we go rather than holding on to it hoping to get the last little gasp out of it, then we're meant to change. We're meant to experience new people, new friendships, new environments, new new ways of being ourselves in the world. That, that's just the truth of it. We're not meant to become stale and stagnant. And if you look at nature, the example of that is in the natural world as well as in our own world as well. 
And that's hard because uh, one of my uh, oracle cards that I was reading earlier today says sometimes the thing that we have to let die is the thing that was once dearest to us that we really put a lot of effort and time into. I, I have Sally Mae still looking, you know, I'm paying my student loans, but, you know, I put a lot of money and effort into my education to become a, law li- a librarian, professional librarian. So it was very dear to me at certain times of my life. I have a friend who is in a medical profession who is a doctor who is moving away from the practice that they built over the last uh, 20 years and moving away from it into something completely uh, different, similar but differently expressed. So we do, we put a lot of our personal water into those things we find are valuable. But just like uh, any gardener knows, if the plant is died or it fulfilled its cycle, you have to get a new bulb and start planting that because there's no sense in continuing to invest in something that is not going to bloom once we know that it's not, you know. That's where the grief, you know, I know for all the world, Kim, you would have wanted your grandmother to be restored in her health and to be cancer-free and to have been in remission as she was, you know what I mean, and to have a quality of life. But when that was not happening, then, you know, and all of us have faced people with terminal illnesses who we dearly, dearly love and don't want to face a future without them, when it reaches a point when we have to open our hands to release our attachment to their presence to say, if you are ready to go, then know that I love you. Make your transition. Don't stay because of me. Don't don't continue to dwell in pain or uh, in in illness out of an effort to keep me from experiencing pain. Go ahead and you know um, make your transition. And some of us are sometimes we're able to do that, and sometimes we say, "No, I just don't want to let it go," you know. And oftentimes the going still happens. And then we have to manage our grief afterwards. But the beautiful thing is that we do get through it. We do. And we do then grow again. And, I mean, it's interesting because now if you have an opportunity to be grandmother to a beautiful baby angel, no, (laughs) you know, to be a grandmother for many, many, many years for him, that he will also then grow to cherish And so it's like even in the reality of the circle of life in birth and death, it is absolutely evident all around us in every instant. And I'm sure that that will not be, when you get your next job, it will not be the last job that you have, you know, um, because life is too long to think we're going to be doing the same thing anymore for 30, 40 years. Because, A, our spirits demand that we do more, that we experience more, that we gain more skills and manifest those skills in the world. So I, for one, you know, I'm I'm rolling with the nine energy. I will not be 
shocked if there are any other major passings of things at this point. My shock factor has pretty much been, been maximized. I don't think you could shock me any more than you did on Tuesday. So, <laughs> uh, and it would not shock me to find myself living somewhere completely different by the end of the year or the beginning of next year, uh, living somewhere that I don't even know right now where that place is, doing something that I haven't yet even figured out how to do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I definitely am okay with that. And I'm thankful for being able to be in a space where I am okay with that because five or ten years ago I would not have been. I would have been highly anxious concerned, worried, distraught, all those negative kind of things because my life was changing. And I find it interesting because this is where I'm staying now is not the first uh, condo that I've looked at in this building. It actually was the second choice. And it turns out that I was noticing today that it is unit number nine. So, and it's been some, it will be nine months almost to the day since I made a, a journey to the ocean back in February, and I've been here, and it will be almost a nine-month cycle. So I know that there's an ending to even my being in this, you know, this kind of idyllic getaway sabbatical kind of environment. I know that it, too, must end in no amount of holding on to it will make it remain the same. So I'm packing up my bags and folding my tent here and coming back to the States to say, okay, life, what new thing are you going to have for me next? And uh, I'll be at zero. And we'll all be at zero starting by the end of this year. It'll be, you know, a new year numerologically. I guess we'll be at... uh, 10, right, 2017, so that's a 1 and a 0, so it is both the beginning and emergence, uh, so I guess we'll all see what unfolds next year, (laughs) so I really would like to thank everyone for joining this evening, I did lose the caller from Pennsylvania, but I appreciate you calling in and sharing about your spiritual awakening and transition over the last couple years. Uh, Kim, Hanifa, Beeman, I appreciate all of you sharing your very personal experiences. Uh, If you have experience in nine energy and want to delve more into it, feel free to contact me on my email, which is uh, joelle, J-O-E-L-L-E, at thevibrarian.com, V-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N. And I would invite you to follow me also on Instagram at The Vibrarian. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again next week. We'll be back at 10 o'clock in the evening. And I believe that our conversation is going to be about past lives. Have you been here before and do you know who you were? (laughs) So I thank you all this evening. And I wish for you that you have love and light in your life going forward. 
and that your endings are as easy as possible so that you can emerge into the wonderful new beginning that is waiting for you. Thank you and namaste. Good night.